0: When Brazil met Holland in the second group stage of the 1974 World Cup, a place in the final was at stake. It was the reigning champions against the pretenders. An epic match seemed in prospect. What followed though was a nasty contest which concluded with the shameful descent of Brazil from their pedestal as Holland became the stylish keepers of beautiful football. Welcome to The Changing of the Guard. You'll tell them, you
1: you'll tell You'll Oh, it's not a bad ball for on the right side. It's Carlos Alberto. And oh, what a great goal that one.
0: That was the clip of Carlos Alberto's iconic goal against Italy as Brazil finished the 1970 World Cup in a blaze of glory. World champions for a record third time, the most stylish winners ever of the Jules Remake Cup, which is now theirs in perpetuity. But once you reach such a scintillating peak, there's only one way to go down. Four years is a long time in football. During the interregnum between World Cups, Brazil had been starved of competitive action, no qualifiers as they were the defending champions, and the Copa America was in the midst of an eight year long hiatus. The only thing that resembled competitive football was the Independence Cup. Of 1972, a factitious international tournament created at the behest of General Medici, Brazil's president. The president's tentacles have been stretching deeper and deeper into the national team during this period as he sought to exploit the 1970 victory as well as the economic boom of that period. Brazil won this so called Independence Cup, but the absence of leading world powers such as Italy, West Germany and England, who all turned down the invitation, meant that the victory rang rather hollow. By 1972 there was no Pele. The main man had retired from international football, despite a national clamour for him to keep playing for Brazil. Pele would write about the massive pressure he faced from the Brazilian government, from Mario Zagallo, the manager, and from João Avalanche. Haviland was in the midst of his empire building. His ambition was to depose Sir Stanley Rouse and become FIFA president. If you read Fernando Duarte's book, Shocking Brazil, it mentions that Haviland had fallen out of favour with the Brazilian military, so he needed the FIFA presidency as he was about to lose his position at the top of Brazilian sport. This political intrigue hung over Brazil's World Cup defence. And if Pelé can be used on the field, he became what Stuart Horsfield called a pawn to play. Haviland was able to schmooze global delegates and offer them access to the world's best player. That accusation leveled at Pelé that he was a corporate man, I think took hold round about this period as his playing career was winding down. So there was no Pelé for the title defence in 1974, there was no Claudio Aldo who was injured, no Carlos Alberto also injured, no Gerson, no Tostao who retired to preserve his eyesight as he feared a recurrence of an old eye injury. The heart and soul had been truly ripped out of the class of 1970. In fact, only three players from the 1970 final made it to West Germany for 1974. Jarzinho, Rivellino, and Piazza. I remember in one of my old World Cup videos with Gary Bloom on narration, he said that the 1974 version of Jarzinho had a lot more hair but a lot less pace. If you remember the Series 1 episode about the demise of Brazil in 1966, they picked so many Players who were physically knackered. And in 1974, Brazil went in the opposite direction from having too many ex champions to having too few. The problem with this, which comes to all defending champions, is that the replacements simply weren't in the same class as the old stars. Chris Freddy wrote that Brazil were so short of strikers they had to pick Mirandinha Mark 1 and Lavinia. That's when they weren't using Jarzinho at centre-forward. Valdemiro was dismal on the right wing. Paulo César was emphatically not the new Pelé. 1966 also informed Zagallo's tactical approach to 1974. Fearing that Brazil might be brutalised, as it happened in England, Zagallo's team, in the words of Stuart Horsfield, decided to fight fire with fire, And at times, Brazil sought to get their punches in first. You also have to consider that Brazil wouldn't have as much time on the ball in West Germany, where European teams could push them harder in cooler weather conditions in a way they hadn't been able to do that in the heat of Mexico. Zagallo was also worried that his team didn't have the attacking flair to compensate for defensive weaknesses, as had been the case in 1970. So. A focus was put on being as robust as possible. It didn't impress media critics back home. Relations broke down between the press and the team as Brazil racked up lacklustre results in the run-up to the World Cup. As for Holland, this was only their second World Cup. 1938 had been their only previous tournament. It's interesting to reflect on that now. This team that set the world alight and very nearly won the whole thing were novices. The other interesting thing to reflect on is that they very nearly didn't qualify. Qualification came down to a decisive match in Amsterdam against Neighbours Belgium. The game was locked at 0-0 heading into the dying minutes, when Belgium scored. However, the goal was ruled out for offside, a dreadful decision. Rob Smythe wrote that Verhaen was being played onside by at least three defenders. Holland qualified on goal difference. Belgium were left with the unusual landmark of getting through the qualification stage without conceding a goal. But still missing out on a tournament. Gary Thacker in Beautiful Bridesmaids Dressed in Orange wrote that the orange may have been one of the more fortunate guests to be turning up for the party, but they would still be the undisputed bells of the ball. There was the usual game of musical chairs in the manager's office. František Father had guided the Dutch through the qualifiers but it was Venus Meikles who was put in charge of the team for the World Cup. Meekles had taken Ajax to the European Cup in 1971 before going on to manage Barcelona. That European Cup had been the first of three in a row for Ajax. The key man for Meekles, with Ajax, then Barcelona, and with Holland of course, was Johan Cruyff. Hugh McIlvenny wrote of Cruyff at... He is as straight and incisive as a knife. His physical skills and his absolute awareness enable him to organise and build superbly in deep positions and to materialise in front of goal with interventions that are as final as death. This was the total football era. Total football is an inexact term. David Winner described it as an ultra-aggressive style of football in which players switched positions and reined attacks from every angle. The system that Meagles had employed at Ajax had seen him encourage rotation down the flanks, for example the right midfielder covering for the right back. It wasn't literally true that every player could play in every position, but there had to be some kind of versatility. As well as versatility and interchangeability, total football relied on squeezing the space that the opposition had and using an aggressive offside trap. When taking on the national team, Meikles was undoubtedly helped by the fact that he had a cohort of players steeped in the Ajax way. Cruyff, Hahn, Krall, Naiskins, Rep, Soubier, and Kaiser as well as a cohort of Fairnour players who had won the European Cup in 1970, playing a similar, if less eye-catching style. A lot of these tactical schemes can only really come off if you've got world class players and the Dutch had them in abundance. 1974 was the first time that the champions had the honour, if that's the right word, of opening the tournament, meaning that Brazil started the World Cup in Group 2 on a gloomy night in Frankfurt against Yugoslavia. The match finished 0-0, the latest in a line of uninspiring opening games, and one that exposed the alarming decline of the world champions. Under the headline, The Party Is Over For Brazil, The Daily Mirror's Frank McGee said, The Brazilian game of football that the world learned to love and admire no longer exists. The romance with attacking football is over. Brazil have joined the rest of the realists, packing the defence, leaving one man upfield and squeezing the play into the space that is left. Next up for Brazil was a game with Scotland, Again, it was another laboured showing from the world champions. Again, it was another 0 0 draw. The days of intricate passing, fluid movement, and spectacular goals were long gone. BBC Scotland's Archie McPherson wrote that it was a battle of attrition in midfield. Bremner's legs looked like he had been bombarded by bricks in a gang fight. The heritage of Pele. Garincha, Carlos Alberto and Co. had been publicly ditched. Brazil now had to beat Zaire. They managed a 3-0 win in a match famous for Moepu Alanga breaking out of the Zaire wall to kick the ball away when Brazil were lining up a free kick. Zaire 1974, that's a podcast episode all of its own. Brazil finished second at Group 2 behind Yugoslavia. The new format of this World Cup meant a second group stage, with Brazil going into Group A with East Germany, Argentina and Holland. Dutch started their campaign in Group 3 with a 2-0 win over Uruguay. Chris Freddy wrote that Uruguay's team didn't add up to much against the almost casually brilliant Dutch. Ken Jones for the Daily Mirror said that Holland's marvellous skills when confronted by the cynical boredom of Uruguay's tactics was rich evidence of their own potential. Holland's next game was a goalless draw against Sweden. Nothing special here, you'd think. However, this was the game in which Cruyff left Jan Olsen up a creek without a paddle. The famous Cruyff turn. Once upon a time, it was Brazil who had created moments. Now the Dutch were doing it.
1: Cruyff making ground to get himself under there. Oh, a beautiful dummy from
0: Cruyff. Gary Thacker said of the Cruyff turn, Those few seconds as Olsen searched his pockets for the taxi fare and Cruyff scampered away with the ball like some street vagabond having picked the pocket of a dull-witted aristocrat serves as a microcosm of the orange in the tournament. The ITV panel were impressed with what they saw. Can you ever work at being that good? Do you think, or is it is it just something that is there? Well, oh, he's got two he tricks.
1: Ends. He's got two tricks there that uh, I've never seen anybody pull it through their legs like that. I'll tell um, you one. i tell you one thing. I would hate to play against him every week. <laughs> <I think laughs> when, when you think about it, that um, the first thousand pound transfer was over sixty years ago. off Common. I never thought that any you player would be worth well, <laughs> <laughs> I never thought any player be worth one million pounds, but you've just seen possibly the most complete player, and uh, as marvelous player he is, and when you think also a, a cliche that went through my mind, I always thought, does the one man make a team, and undoubtedly he has proved that one man does make a team. Barcelona were in the depths of going down to the right. second division, they won the championship by eight points this year, and look at the form of Ax over the last few months. Bobby, what, what, what a player th- I, th- I think last night watching them, you know you saw things there... He's got this great knack of tumbling on a defender. When you get, when you get Cruyff. And he's got his back to you. You think you've got to be safe. You're going to knock it backwards. But he's got this great ability to turn on you and go past you at speed. And even some players last night were trying to get him down. And he's got a great balance once he goes past you. Even I think if you knocked him, he still rides and he still goes at pace. I think he'd be a good hurdler as well. Uh, no, he's he, got, he, I think he's, he's got to be because. Great. He jumps over people's legs. Yeah, because he? he's got to be because people are trying, trying to cut his legs off him. But he's got this great skill. I think and great see, pace. People, people will probably say, now, how do you attain abilities like that? You don't. You're born Players are born mm. with that ability. How do you stop him? Kick him! Somebody <laughs> kick him! That's, only I mean, we'll him. that's serious, part, no, the know, only way you'll stop him. Are serious, Pat? i think, I don't think Andy can stop him. That's a terrible thing to say. You'd, no, you'd get people probably would close mark him, You'd say go out and stay with him all the time. But I still think the person would have a very hard job to close mark no, him because I'd he's get, so Pat, quick. You know, Pat, that's a no, 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 no. no took, that, you no, no, you no, don't mean that. No, I don't mean that. You don't mean that, but probably some teams would do it. There's probably three players that are so gifted that no matter how close you mark no, them, Pele, Cruyff, and George Best, and no, it's impossible to close them out. there's one. One thing, could I say just one yeah. very important point, the lovely thing about Cruyff, that he seems to be able to motivate and make players tick like the AX players, the international players and now the Spanish players who are possibly the most yeah. temperamental in Europe. Yeah. He's, he's, a great, he's a great captain by leadership, yes. yeah. but I think the one way to stop him, Brian, is, is, to, make, is to, to collective tackle on him, yeah. make yes. him play in one direction. Mm-hmm. That's the only possible way you can make him play yeah. and so you've got to exaggerate everything as he comes to you, make him go in a certain way so that somebody's fallen up to take it off him.
0: The Dutch then swaggered past the bewildered Bulgaria side who gave away two penalties, unable to cope with Holland's style. Cruyff was dominant as usual as Holland got a 4-1 victory to go through to the second stage as group winners. Brazil started the second group stage with a 1-0 win over East Germany, courtesy of a Rivellino free kick, scored when Jarzinho ducked out of the wall and allowed the ball to pass through the gap. A faint echo of 1970. But long range shots were the only threat Brazil seemed to carry in 1974. Again, it was a robust encounter. Stuart Horsfield wrote of the Brazilians that, with every passing game, they were becoming more and more European. Meanwhile, the Dutch were playing the best football of the tournament. Their 4-0 win over Argentina was probably their signature performance. Cruyff casually stepped round the goalkeeper to score the opener. Kral scored with a powerful low shot. Rep's diving header from Cruyff's cross made it 3. Before Cruyff finished off the goal scoring with a fierce shot from the left of the penalty area after the ball rebounded to him off the Argentina goalkeeper. The Daily Mirror reported that The Dutchman produced football of breathtaking brilliance. Master footballer Johan Cruyff was tormentor-in-chief of the South Americans. A couple of things to note about the Dutch is that, despite their quality football, they were very feisty in the tackle and weren't afraid to throw their weight around. The other thing is that Holland played a very aggressive pressing game. These days you hear everyone going on about the press like it's something new, but this Dutch team was doing it in the 1970s, and it wasn't even new then. Roberto Perfumo, the Argentina captain, said, I received the ball from a short free kick. I looked up and there were seven Holland players running at me. It was unnerving. And that's coming from an Argentina hard man defender. The FIFA technical report said, As soon as possession of the ball was lost, the Dutch forwards turned and ran back to Harris and tackled their opponents. In the next pair of matches, Holland beat East Germany 2-0, Brazil beat Argentina 2-1. That left Holland top of the group and needing a draw against Brazil to reach the final. Brazil, with an inferior goal difference, needed to beat the Dutch. Fernando Duarte wrote that Brazil's main contact with the Netherlands prior to 1974 was the role that the Dutch had played in Brazil's colonial history in the 17th century. There was also a general ignorance from the Brazilians about the rise of Dutch football, the triumphs of Feyenoord and Ajax in the European Cup. Zagallo was dismissive of the Dutch, although he would later claim that this was a ploy to fire up his players. Zagallo gave a hint at what was to come when he said, Argentina committed suicide by giving the Dutch players so much freedom. We will not do that. Our penalty area will not be a playground for Cruyff and Rep and the others. It will be a hostile place. Hugh McIlveni noted that Brazil had transformed into a team whose main concern was to stop the other team from playing. The build-up to the game captured the media's disdain for this new style of Brazil team. Ian Archer wrote in the Glasgow Herald, Brazil must be knocked out by the masterful Dutchman. Brazil are now the most cynical of all the nations left. How can one essentially respect a team containing Rivellino? His skills marred by a wayward temperament and a side which kicks like mules at stricken opponents. The Daily Mirror said, When Brazil played Italy in the 1970 World Cup final, every neutral was willing them to win. When Brazil play Holland, the reverse situation applies. Millions of people around the world will be mentally putting on orange rosettes. We all want Holland to win. Pelle acknowledged that Holland's style made them an attractive side for neutrals. Although he defended Brazil on the grounds that they had few survivors from 1970 and that Zagallo hadn't had much time to find a perfect blend reference, from the new players. Pele also said that Brazil's strong defence would be able to hold Holland at bay. Wieners Mikkel said that even though Holland only needed a draw, his team would be going for the win. Mekel said that playing for a draw. Is against our nature and if we attempt to play defensive football, we would fail. The Dutch were rated as favourites, although there was a suggestion from a few journalists that Brazil were building up to a big performance. Versus Brazil was a Wednesday night kickoff, 7:30 PM UK time, 3rd of July 1974, and it was shown on both BBC and ITV. The venue was the famous Stadion, home of Borussia Dortmund. Both teams looked different kit-wise. The Dutch were wearing white shirts instead of orange. The Brazilians were wearing blue shirts instead of yellow. The first foul was committed after 25 seconds when Rivellino took out Niskins. The next foul followed shortly after from Jarzinho. Again, Niskins was the fall guy. The only two players Brazil had on the pitch from the 1970 final had marked their territory with fouls. That says it all about how much Brazil had changed. It looked like they were out to intimidate the Dutch right from the start. Once upon a time, teams had used that tactic against Brazil. Now Brazil were using it on other teams. Pereira got in on the act, giving away a free kick for a lunge after Brazil had made a meal of clearing a corner. Pereira was the centre-back who went on to have a great career for Atletico Madrid. He had been one of Brazil's best performers during the World Cup. Strong and tough at the back, but capable of bringing the ball out of defence with powerful runs. In this match, he looked a threat when driving Brazil forward. It wasn't all one-way traffic in terms of fouls. This Dutch team could look after themselves. Stuart Horsfield wrote that the Dutch weren't slow in getting their counter punches in to show they would not be bullied. In the early stages, Holland's passing looked crisp and sharp. Cruyff was strolling around showing some good touches. He forced a great save from Liao the Brazil goalkeeper. Around nine minutes, the ref blew his whistle to stop play so that a minute's silence could be observed for Juan Perón, the president of Argentina, who had died a couple of days before. Brazil looked okay, but Holland's aggressive offside trap worked well. There was a risk of leaving space with a high line, but Youngblood, the Dutch goalkeeper, tended to be sharp in getting off his line. And the Dutch defenders were quick to run back. Serbier and Renzenbrink forced good saves from Liao. Pereira got a yellow for an unseemly clash with Serbier. Towards the end of the first half, the nastiness went up a level. Stuart Horsfield described the tackling as reckless at best, career-ending at worst. The official report said it was unduly pugnacious. San Maria got booked for a shameless rugby tackle on Cruyff. Neaskins was knocked out by Mourinho Perez, although Neaskins would later say it was a clash of heads rather than anything more sinister. Mourinho Perez was then booked for an uncompromising body check on Janssen. That's Phil Janssen, that guy who managed Celtic in 1998 when they stopped Rangers doing the 10 in a row. Amidst this carnage, Brazil made a good chance. Jardineau, however, was foiled by a heroic late block from Reisbergen, which saw the ball roll wide. It was goalless at half time, but four minutes into the second half came the opening.
1: This is Nathan
0: Cruyff number fourteen. Ball fed the ball to Cruyff on the right. Cruyff sent it low into the penalty area and Neskins, stretching, was able to get there ahead of Pereira and send the ball spinning over Liao. 1-0 to Holland. The Dutch were zipping the ball around quicker than in the first half, but they could still match Brazil when it came to the physical side of the game. Van Haneggen went in twice on Rivellino in quick succession. Brazil tried to chain things up by taking off Paulo Cesar and bringing on Mirandinha a case of out of the frying pan into the fire. Paulo César had failed to live up to the expectation of being the new Pelé. Hugh McElvenny wrote that César came to Germany as a star and goes home branded a failure and a card by his own people. But how do you replace genius? Meanwhile, Mirandinha was one in a long line of anonymous Brazil strikers in that massive Post-Hostel vacuum. By the way, this Mirandinha is not to be confused with the Mirandinha who went to Newcastle in the late 80s and famously taunted the cop after scoring a penalty against Liverpool. On 64 minutes, Holland struck again. Is
1: after Breaking in the middle of
0: Rentenbrink did a 180 degree turn, sent Kroll away up the left and Kroll's cross was met by an absolute peach of a flying volley by Cruyff. One of the best goals of the tournament. 2-0 to Holland. Game over. There was a set two between Serbia and Chagas. Söbier making the tackle and Chagas lashing out. Pretty lucky to avoid a card in my opinion. The game grew harsher after the second Dutch goal. Brazil were very belligerent, but Holland could cope with it. Reps stuck an elbow in Rivellino. On the official film, the narrator says, bushfires of anger have begun to spread. The official film of the 1974 World Cup is called Heading for Glory, and it's narrated by Joss Ackland, the diplomatic immunity guy from Lethal Weapon 2. I'm saying that like it's the only thing he's ever done. In his 60-year career. Diplomatic community. It's just been revoked. Pereira provided a flash of Brazil's old style with a great driving run from the back. The official film described this as a nostalgic echo of Brazil's past majesty. With seven minutes remaining, Pereira showed Brazil's new style.
1: Oh, he took him high. That was calculated, and he's gone.
0: Pereira was sent off for a wild lunge on Naskins. Naskins, who seemed to be the main target of Brazil's violence, would later say, It was sad to see Brazil play like this. As Pereira walked off, he angrily remonstrated with the Dutch fans, pointing at the Brazil badge before holding up three fingers to denote Brazil's three World Cups. It was an ugly way for Brazil to end their title defence, but it was in keeping with how they'd played throughout the tournament. Holland eased to a 2 0 victory, the Pretenders had beaten the champions. Stuart Horsfield wrote that, Zagallo's eyes looked dead as if in resignation that the game had moved on and both he and the Brazilian national team are but footnotes in the evolution of the game. Or, as the official film put it, their attack was as blank as unwritten paper, their tackling raw as uncooked meat. With victory secure, Renas Mikos said, Brazil not only lost the championship, but also their reputation. How can a team fall to this depth? Mikos also mentioned that so many of his players had picked up bruises and gashes. Zagallo criticised the referee, but admitted that Holland were a first class team. Frank McGee wrote in the Daily Mirror, the Dutch did to Brazil what the Brazilians used to do to so many other nations. They bewildered and dominated them before defeating and demoralising them. Don't feel sorry for Brazil. They betrayed all the sporting standards set by their great predecessors. Their most effective kicks were usually those aimed at Dutchmen. In the Evening Times, John Freeman wrote that The posed champions Brazil reflect on an image shattered by 90 minutes of savagery. Ian Archer in the Glasgow Herald said, Brazil go back to South America without honour or integrity, tarnished possibly beyond repair. Holland are to the connoisseur, the finest side in the tournament. That post-match commentary captured how far Brazil had declined and the days when journalists praised their stylish play were long gone. The Dutch, by contrast, were winning the praise of journalists and neutrals. Cruyff would say years later when reflecting on this match that we were what Brazil had once been. I've called this episode the changing of the guard because Brazil and the beautiful game had been knocked off its pedestal to be replaced by Holland and Total Football. Total Football had become the zeitgeist, for want of a better word, of attacking football on the international stage. Hugh McLevelin described the Dutch as undoubtedly the most inspired and inspiring footballers of the 1970s. The thing is, however, the Brazilians and the Dutch both turned out to be losers. Brazil had transformed into an average team of cynical hoodlums. Pereira getting sent off, pointing at the Brazil badge and waving three fingers was emblematic of what they had become. Brutal hackers living off past glories. 1974, of course, was the first World Cup of Brazil's long drought. As for the Dutch, for all the beauty and majesty of their play, they ultimately failed to win the 1974 World Cup. That cocky self-indulgence and arrogance came back to bite them. They had the Germans at their mercy at 1-0, but they couldn't finish the job. Their style didn't cut it when it was really needed. In the dying minutes when they were 2-1 down, the Dutch were reduced to playing high balls into the German box. You can say that the Dutch became the people's champions and that they are more iconic than the German team that won it, and that's fair enough, but Whatever Cruyff would say, with hindsight, you see his 100 yards there at the end of the final. He wanted that cup badly, and he knew that Holland had blown it. So there you go, Holland versus Brazil in 1974 to open up Series 3 of World Cup Rambling. And I think the critics said I wouldn't last one series. These are imaginary critics, of course. Make sure you watch the highlights of the match on YouTube. Some of the tackling is really over the top, even by 1974 standards. For those of you who have listened to the past two series, welcome back. For those of you who have only started listening, it's great to have you on board. And there's two series worth of episodes for you to get through. So start listening to them. Normally, I start the series with the tournament retrospective, but I've decided to move it to the June and July episodes. So it lines up with when the World Cup is traditionally held. I say traditionally with emphasis, because we had Qatar 2022 in November and December. And once the toothpaste is out of the tube, it's very hard to get back in. So don't be surprised if we start seeing World Cups popping up at all sorts of strange times of the year. It was HR Haldeman, one of Richard Nixon's top men, who said that quote about the toothpaste in the tube and a month or so after this World Cup, Tricky Dickie was finally swept away by the Watergate scandal. So there's one of your key historic events for this summer of 1974. Follow me on Twitter at Matthew Ocott. Also follow at World Cup Ramble and subscribe to World Cup Rambling on your podcast platform.